Welcome to the Happy Mindset, episode 138. Today's episode is called Wordplay. So today I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about reframing words in language and also about the energy as well behind the words in the language. So what made me think about this was that I just read something there a few weeks back, which is a very simple yet powerful reframe. So it was the thought, the idea that nobody likes me. I think that's a thought that is quite common with people. This idea that I'm not likable, that people don't like me, especially around creative people, I think that it's a it's a, a stumbling block. For me anyway, definitely it's been a stumbling block because as a creative person, when you're putting stuff out there, you're thinking through things, you're creating things that are a little bit different from the norm. It's going to be natural that there's going to be some level of feeling like people don't like you. I wish somebody had told me this earlier on when I started doing stuff, that that's a normal, natural feeling that can come from all this. Because in order to differentiate yourself, you are going to do stuff that the group isn't going to accept. What will happen is that like a few people will start to resonate with, with it over time. And then you'll feel less and less alone when you start to see that. But initially, what does tend to happen as a creative person when you're doing something slightly different from the norm, there are gonna be feelings to deal with that nobody likes your ideas, that you feel alone in how you think about things. And that's normal, that's natural. Because when you think about it, when you come back to uh, even school, think of the school days. If somebody had a different idea, a different way of looking at the world than the rest of the class did, then generally that person would be kind of shunned. Their ideas wouldn't be embraced because when you think about it, you in that classroom would look to your peers first to see whether they're accepting of the ideas, accepting of this person. If they accept it, then you accept it. So there's a lot of mindlessness to that as a child in a group. And that can be something that still manifests as an adult. So that's something to be aware of. But that little reframe of from nobody likes me to there's nobody like me. That was the reframe that I saw a few weeks back. And I thought that that's a very simple yet very powerful way of reframing things that I hadn't actually thought about. It was very obvious when I looked at it. I was like, why didn't I think of that before? And what I want to highlight, though, is the energy in that shift. I think a couple of years back, I wouldn't have picked up on this because this will play into inferiority and superiority complexes. I think this is on my mind because I've been reading a book called The Courage, the Courage to Be Disliked. That book's actually a very interesting book. It's, it's a dialogue between a philosopher and a young person who is a, a person who is looking to, to receive new ideas about the world, understand the world differently. But he's skeptical. He's got a healthy amount of skepticism. He's challenging all the questions. He's not blindly accepting anything the philosopher is saying to him. So it, it's a good kind of dialogue they have going there. And the philosopher is espousing a lot of Adler, Adler's philosophy as a psychologist. I wasn't even aware of Adler, to be honest, before I read this book. Apparently, Adler was around the time of Freud and Jung. He was, one, he was that kind of level of influence in psychology. Anyway, in that book, it talks around that inferiority complex that people can have and the superiority complex, that that need for recognition. 
And when you don't feel you have it, you can you can either go into one of these complexes. Complex is even an, an interesting word. Complex is when you develop a complex about something, it's like you've got a lot of ideas and thoughts or emotions about something. It's a lot of complexity there. Uh, it's like there's a complex you can develop about something. People can develop complexes about anything, really. Um, it's stuff to be worked worked through. Anyway, when you're aware then of the superiority inferiority complex, this is when this shift can become more powerful. I think this will also tie into affirmations. I think that's why affirmations are a bit of a double-edged sword. That on one level they're helpful because it's helping you to it's helping you to focus on thoughts that can be helpful for you. So if you've got affirmations like "I am capable" and "I can do this," on one level that's useful. That's very useful because. You need the self-belief to create something in the first place, to do something different. But where it can be tricky is when you slip into an inferiority complex and a superiority complex way of thinking, where those affirmations, you're actually using them to convince people to seek recognition. So that's something that, that's something you just don't snap out of straight away. That's something that I've been just intentionally becoming more aware of over time because I found that difficulty in myself that on one level I'm putting stuff out there trying to be creative make people think on the other level then I'm seeking recognition from the same people so it's a very kind of messy process until you start realizing that there's these other things that are going on there so when you see that then that's how this reframe can become powerful because you're going from a place of nobody likes me because what happens when you're feeling as a creator that nobody likes you, it feels very dense. It feels very arduous. And I suppose you can argue to an extent that you need those feelings to be able to channel them into your work and to give that bit of grit and determination and drive. But it also feels very isolated, isolating and very lonely when you've got that feeling that nobody likes you. And that's only a feeling that I've, I've, I've been working through as a creative person. When I wasn't doing any of this stuff, I didn't, I didn't, I never thought that people didn't like me at all. I always thought that most people liked me and a few people didn't like me. But from, for whatever reason, from going on, from starting the creative process for myself, that's been a, a very strong emotion that I've had to work through. And kind of coming out, coming out of that, it still kind of plagues me a little bit here and there. But I'm aware that it's there because there was a point where that just kind of consumed me that I didn't really have language around it. I wasn't comfortable with it. I think a lot of it actually ties back to being comfortable with yourself. The more you're okay with people not liking you, the less it becomes an issue anyway. So that's kind of what that book talks about, the courage to be disliked. When you get to the stage where you're not seeking recognition from everybody for your work, when you're focusing actually on the people who appreciate what you're doing, and even more so you're okay with them not even liking everything you do. That's the kind of stage you're getting to. And that's why that book is, is useful as well, the courage to be disliked. So you're not coming at, coming at it from a point of view of inferiority, superiority, superiority complexes. You're coming at it from a point of view of self-acceptance and creating from self-acceptance. And then the next level of the wordplay that I find beneficial is that it just generally helps you to detach from identifying with words in the first place. Because when you start that process of identification with words, on an unconscious level, this is more so than anything, it sets you up for a psychological turmoil because it controls your actions and behaviors, pretty much. That's what words can do. That's the power they can have. 
But on the flip side, when you become aware of that power, you can channel that power better as well. So the words are more of a tool that you're using more so than something that's controlling you, that's restricting you. They become something that is not restricting you anymore. It's something that you can actually use to communicate. When you think back to it too, like language, people didn't always have language. It's a tool, it's a communication tool that evolved. That's something that, something that evolved so that we could be more effective in tribes of people to work together. But we didn't always have language. So it's a good thought experiment to think about how did we communicate when we didn't have language then? How did people know how people were feeling? How did, like, what was the story there? Because that will point you more to the power of like, understanding that people are sentient beings, as in that we were feeling creatures. We feel, we feel things out. You think about it, it's like how, when you walk into a room of people, you can feel the energy. You'll, without anybody saying anything, you'll know whether something's gone on, whether there's been a huge argument, you'll know whether people are feeling really negative or feeling more uplifted and, and positive. How is that? That's, it's a good thought experiment to think about that. To just go, how would I communicate with people? How would I get across my personality? How would I get across... Uh, how would I get myself across to people if language suddenly disappeared? If there was no more language in the world tomorrow? Just tomorrow, there'll be an experiment tomorrow. Nobody can speak. How would we communicate? Because that will help you to understand or to get some bit of a glimpse into the power of just feeling things and the power of... Another thing that it makes me think about is how is how I'm thinking about the world and how I'm feeling about myself, how is that coming across to people in my energy and in the way and in the vibes I give out? That's something to, to think about. That's something I'd never thought about because I always thought that language was the all-consuming power, that that was the only way to communicate. And where that gave me a lot of difficulty was that when I saw somebody misunderstood my point, I'd be so anxious and worried about them misinterpreting me and thinking badly of me that I'd over-communicate then. And I'd make it worse. It'd just be a, a continuous cycle of miscommunication. But when I realized that the vibes are giving off, the energy, the feeling, are just as, if probably more important, to be honest. I think this will, if you look into the studies where people talk about Language is only about 30% of communication, if that. It's your body language. They say it's your body language. I think it's even more so. It's your feeling, it's your energy, it's the vibes you're giving off. And because that's not so clear-cut to change, people can work with you on body language. They'll give you some quick fixes. Like You can go into like NLP, you can go into other things that can kind of, they probably do help. They, they do help, so I won't dismiss them. I do think they help. But... If you really want to see change, though, it's really taking a long-term approach, being open to a lot of different things. I've done a lot of different things over the years. I continue to do different things energetically. So I, I don't even work fully. Like just, I'll do journaling. I work with my thoughts and that type of stuff. But I've also always understood the power of energy. Energy shifts, really working at an energetic level with people. Um, so I've gone to people through the years, shamans. I've gone to different people that have helped me to understand energy energy work we've just got an open mind to that i think it's powerful and it helps me to understand that to understand why it's only about 30 percent language is communication but in saying that i think language is very important because if you don't have the words to convey something people won't understand what you're on about they won't understand your message so i put a lot of time into reading books i put a lot of time into writing into my podcast so that i become more articulate more coherent of what i'm saying and as well, it just helps me to organize the thoughts in my head better. And when 
there are random thoughts going through my head and stuff. I take them less seriously. I've got a bit more distance from them. And when I'm stuck in them, I realize I'm stuck at the moment or whatever. I'll realize at some stage, but it won't be the end of the world. It won't be the end of the world because I have a better awareness of what's going on. So another thing that this can open up doors to is, is foreign languages. Foreign languages, when you start to see in another language that you're using the same words with a different translation, yet the emotional attachment is different. I think I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts. It's just something as simple as I love you in English. Je t'aime in French. It's an interesting one because je t'aime, aimer is the verb to like. But for whatever reason, I've never properly looked into it, to be honest. But they say je t'aime in French. Even though adore is a French verb for love, they don't say je, je t'adore. You'll never hear that said in French, but you'll say je, you'll hear je t'aime in French. And so what I found fascinating was that it was so much easier for me to say je t'aime to somebody than it was to say I love you. Because that, I suppose when I grew up in Ireland, it just wasn't, it didn't seem normal to say I love you to people. Even if you said it, it just feel kind of weird and awkward and odd, and yeah. So, so that's it. So that's why a foreign language can be great experimentation because you start to see that, hey, I haven't got this energetic weirdness about a word that's exactly the same. Well, that's what's different though, because jetem is actually to like, but it's the same sentiment. People are saying the same thing. So it's a great little exploration there to help loosen the energy from the words to give you different words, a different vocabulary. And you could even explore things that you just were cut off from in your native language. So if you were, if you had artistic tendencies, if you wanted to, to even just be around people who talk about ideas, who talk about maybe philosophy, psychology or whatever like that, but you didn't have that experience in your native language and you feel that's a bit weird, you could, you could easily decide that I'm going to learn a foreign language in the morning and I'm going to learn about philosophy in that language. That might sound very intimidating to begin with, but what you can do is that start with the general. So start learning general verbs and words that you'll use. Some of the frequent ones. I've talked a little bit, I, I, there's, there's limitations of what I can say in a podcast. I could teach somebody one-to-one -one about this kind of way I look at languages. There's only so much I can go get into in a podcast, but my approach would be general languages, highlight, fit, just look at, Google it, the most common verbs, the most common nouns. I break it down into nouns, adjectives, adverbs, verbs. So it's, it's generally like that. Then I would short videos on YouTube to get me some sort of sense of the flow of the language. It's kind of a pick up the grammar. Then you can you can also study grammar. Just find whatever whatever works for you. And then if you want to speak of philosophy, then look into the keywords first in your native language. So I wouldn't go studying philosophy in a foreign language if you hadn't studied it in your native language. So start with your native language and then start identifying what are the words that crop up time and time again here? What, like, like for example, with philosophy, some stuff that I kind of read. Stoicism will come up in what I read. Just that word, stoicism. Um, um, emotion, logic, these types of things will come up, just get a feel for it, be intentional about it. So that opens up another door again, just to, if you hadn't had that experience in your native language, you can intentionally do that in your foreign language. And because the world's so open today, like even if you're living in Ireland, Dublin, 
you can go to language meetups you'll find people that are french or spanish or italian or whatever country that are interested in what you're interested in you can have conversations in and you can you, you can start it with the excuse that you're trying to learn the language and then yeah so that's how you can explore that but that's the power of words and wordplay it, it can be very powerful when you back it up with the just looking into energy and looking into yeah, looking into energy into feeling to the emotion of things uh, words become I think they become more powerful when you when you look into all that kind of stuff and combine them it's more holistic in the way it is but that's it that's what I wanted to talk about today just keep that in mind if you're a person who's crippled by this idea this thought that nobody likes you another thing that'd be useful there is cognitive behavior therapy approach you don't have to go to necessarily a cognitive behavior therapist if you don't want to you can use the methodology that's why I use in my journaling sometimes I look at a thought that I've been plagued by and just question it is that objectively true just think about my life and it's like does everybody hate me but take it seriously because like if that's a feeling that you're carrying around with you then you do actually believe it even though it might sound stupid on a conscious level so this is why it's also very important this I suppose this is why therapy and just being around people who understand this stuff is very important because if you said that to somebody who's got no understanding of psychology or no understanding of any of this stuff say to them that they think nobody nobody likes me they will either they'll, they'll tend to dismiss it because they don't want you to feel like that they can see it's not true and they also think that you should think that you should snap out of it like that and um, so it won't be taken seriously but the power of of either understanding this yourself and taking it seriously for yourself or meeting somebody who takes it seriously that's when you can work through this stuff and see like what's this connected to why do i feel this way and you'll be surprised what you can discover and, and just give you so much more freedom when you start working through these things again it's not easy because you do have to also feel the emotion at the root of those thoughts that's probably been suppressed for a long time that's something that, that i keep in mind but that's it now. that's the word play i'd encourage you to explore experiment with that and uh yeah that's it so if you want to check out my book Go to happymindset.com. The blog is there too. If you would like to support the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Go to happymindset.com. There's a coffee icon there. You can support the podcast. So thanks again for listening, and I will speak to you on the next episode.